Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It is Sunday. It's 17 March. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And I have a bandana on today. Just came in the mail this morning from uh, Donna Corley and her friends at Paltalk. And I want to thank them very much for that. It's got, you know, Jesus is Lord on there and a cross and all of that. And uh, it's very nice. So I want to thank them exceptionally for it was timely because, you know, I brought in a black bandana because I got black all over this shirt. And I didn't have to wear it. I got this one instead. So there you go. Um, our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Cleveland Jewish News, Senator Lindsey Graham on the Golan Heights. He went there this past week. He was on the Golan Heights. He says he will spearhead an effort to recognize Israel's sovereignty, meaning over the Golan Heights. Senator Graham, while visiting the Golan Heights, said that he will start an effort to recognize the Golan as a part of the state of Israel now and forever. Israel occupied this territory by fighting for its survival. The territory was taken by military force because it was used as a launching point to attack the state of Israel. He has acknowledged that, and I've said this many times during prophecy updates, is that they were the aggressors. When you lose land in a battle, in war, it's yours. That has always been the historical precedent. There are no exceptions to that except for countries like the U.S. which give land back. Okay, we gave the Philippines their freedom. We gave Japan their freedom. Uh, the Philippines was not really our enemy, but we could have taken it over. And we were there. They decided they didn't want us there, and we moved out. I mean, we're, we, we do those type of things. We allow people to have their own nations, and I'm glad that Senator Graham recognized this. This territory has a rich Jewish history. Strategically, I am standing on one of the most important pieces of ground in the state of Israel. Such recognition, particularly if it occurred before the April 9th national elections in Israel, would be a boon for Netanyahu in his attempt to remain prime minister. Speaking of Graham and President Trump, he said they are taking this to a very concrete step to keep the Golan as part of Israel. Otherwise, our border will be with Iran on the shores of the Kinneret, meaning the Sea of Galilee. Then we are not prepared to accept that. So, from Israel today, a couple days later, U.S. declares West Bank and Golan no longer occupied territories. The United States President Donald Trump's State Department has called the Golan Heights Israeli-controlled territory in its annual Human Rights Report for 2018, which was released this week, all previous administrations refused to recognize Israeli sovereignty on the Golan and consistently referred to the area as occupied territory. That is no longer the case with the United States of America. We recognize that they won that in war and that that is their land. It is not occupied territory. Good job, President Trump. From the Jerusalem Post, 82% of Israelis say Israeli-Egypt peace deal essential for security. An internet poll it conducted among 400 Jewish and 100 Arab Israelis found that 82% held that the peace treaty was essential for Israel's security. Support remains high for Israel's peace treaty with Egypt almost 40 years after it was signed on 26 March of 1979. 
Some 65% said they would not trust Egyptian security forces on the other side of the border to protect Israel from a terrorist attack. But 71% said they trusted Egypt to be a broker to help resolve the Israeli-Fakistinian conflict. Israeli support for the deal did not include an understanding that Egypt was Israel's friend or that the two countries enjoyed warm peace. Some 66% of those polled said that they believed it was a cold peace, and 64% said that Egypt was neither Israel's friend nor foe. The first thing I thought when I read the title, before I read any of that, was what it says in Isaiah chapter 31. So I'll read you that. Here they're talking about Egypt and their need for them for peace, etc. And this verse came to mind immediately, and someday they're going to get straight to this, but it says in uh, Isaiah 31 verse 1, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel nor seek the Lord. And at this point in history, they're doing all of those things except seeking the Lord. So I would pray that Israel would have their eyes open to their need for the Lord. Um, as it, you know, I'm not the one that said this. It was a Jewish person in this church that is from Israel that said that Israelis to this day are a very, very proud people. They believe in their own self-righteousness. They do not believe in a imputed righteousness from the Lord. And he, this is him saying this about his own people. He says, we, we are arrogant, etc. Okay? And so uh, they have not trusted in the Lord. And having this type of a discussion where we are favorable having this deal with Egypt, etc., and not looking to the Lord is only going to lead them directly into the tribulation period. And it's sad because, you know, the Lord has placed them back in the land for his purposes and to dwell among them. But they've got to go through a refining process in the uh, meantime, and it's going to be very sad, is two-thirds of Israel are going to be exterminated when that time comes. So I would ask you to continue to pray for Israel. They're my last prayer every single night, especially that their eyes would be open to the glory of the Lord, and especially the glory of the Lord Jesus, who is the Lord incarnate. From uh, Al-Arabiya, U.S. accuses Fakistinians of manufacturing a crisis over tax transfer. Okay, the U.S. accused the fakes of manufacturing a crisis by rejecting the first 2019 monthly tax transfer from Israel because it slashed a portion, portion designated for financial support to families of militants jailed in Israel. The reason why I'm reading this is because this is exactly what I said they were going to do two or three weeks ago, and here they're doing it. The U.N. Security Council met behind closed doors to discuss the issue at the request of Kuwait and Indonesia. President Trump's Middle East peace envoy, Jason Greenblatt, represented Washington at the meeting. He said it is entirely inappropriate to focus on Israel as the source of this crisis. It is the Fakistinian authority that has chosen to manufacture the current crisis, which is exactly what I said. Greenblatt told the council. He must be watching this uh, prophecy update or something. The U.S. mission to the U.N. declined to comment on Greenblatt's remarks. The Fakistinians have condemned the Israeli decision as piracy. So there you go with that. And then one more from The Hill. Trump says he'd pull at 98% if he ran to be Israel's prime minister. A little bit of arrogance there, but I thought I'd include it. Axios, citing three unnamed sources who heard Trump's comments, reported that the president made the statement while speaking to a group of RNC donors at Mar-a-Lago. The three sources told Axios that Trump discussed a range of matters during his speech and drew laughter from the audience on a number of topics. 
Trump reportedly highlighted how much his administration has done for Israel, pointing to the decision to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. He later claimed that he would receive widespread support if he ran for Israel's prime minister position. Trump also reportedly took aim at the Democrats during his speech, allegedly saying that he didn't understand how any Jewish person could vote for a Democrat. The Democrats hate Jewish people, Trump allegedly said when discussing the controversy surrounding Ilan Omar's comments about Israel and the Democrat Party's response. So there you go. That's Trump's comments of the week. From Christian News Today, from the Washington Post, after decades of behind-the-scenes diplomacy, leaders of Catholic, this is about a week old, I did not include it last week, and it happened right about that time, so Catholic Mormon churches meet in Rome. So we have another link in the uh, world, you know, uh, global one-world religion coming about, is that the Mormons are now kind of aligning with the Catholic Church. They're meeting, they're talking, which wouldn't have happened at all, not too long ago. But here we go. The head of the LDS met with the dope for the first time, an event that reportedly followed decades of behind-the-scenes relationship building between the denominations whose leaders share a concern over secularism. Dope Francis and President Russell M. Nelson met for 33 minutes at the Vatican to discuss the shared priorities of protecting religious rights traditional family values, and young people and opposing secularism. In a chaotic area era where many people are leaving organized religion, leaders of the two denominations share goals, including responding together to disasters and poverty and promoting traditional families and involvement with Christian institutions, which I, I don't know about the Catholic Church, how you feel about that. I'm not here to get into a debate about them, but the Mormons are not Christian, okay? We talked about our mutual concern for the people who suffer throughout the world and want to relieve human suffering. We talked about the importance of religious liberty, the importance of the family, our mutual concern for the youth of the church, for the secularization of the world, and the need for people to come to God and worship Him, pray to Him, and have the stability that faith in Jesus Christ will bring in their lives. What a sweet, wonderful man he is, Nelson said of Francis, and how fortunate the Catholic people are to have such a gracious, concerned, and loving, and capable leader. So there you go. They're patting each other on the back, etc. But, um, you know, the Mormon church has what is called another gospel of Jesus Christ, the Book of Mormon. Okay, and I'll take you, I'll defend my statement right now. Does anybody know where the Book of Mormon supposedly came from? From Michael the Archangel. No, no, no. Morani. Moron. He's a, think, always think of a moron. Morani the uh, angel came and gave uh, the second gospel of Jesus Christ to the, um, to the uh, Joseph Smith, okay, on these golden tablets and all that. And here's what it says. It, this was an angel that came and gave it to him, right? Here's what it says in Galatians 1, verses 6 through 8. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, okay, which is exactly what they claim, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. That's right. Anathema. There you go. From Christian Post, majority of the churches in decline or flatlining, nearly half see a dip in giving. The majority of churches have fewer than 100 people attending services each Sunday and have declined or nearly flatlined in membership growth. 
The study, which was conducted to help churches better understand growth in the pews, showed that most Protestant churches are not doing well attracting new Christian converts. The study found that 6 in 10 Protestant churches had plateaued or declined in attendance in the past 12 months, and more than half saw fewer than 10 people become new Christians. Growth is not absent from American churches, but rapid growth through conversions is uncommon. Okay. And, you know, the superior word has not grown at all since we opened. I mean, we've got a couple more people than we first opened, and this is five years ago, but we're a Bible-based church. We're not an evangelical church. Everybody here does go out, and we hand out tracts to people. We witness to people. You know, we do it in the projects every week, et cetera. But some churches are geared towards, you know, Bible understanding, and that's not something that new converts normally want. We've had a few new converts in this church over the years, and unfortunately, you remember uh, Tavo, and uh, uh, they were here, and they were got called out to, what was it, North Dakota three minutes after they arrived here, but um, that was too bad because they were young, and they were recent converts, and they wanted to know what Scripture says, where most people don't have a hunger for the Word of God. And so when you are converted and you go to a church that is growing, it's often because they don't really get into the detail of the Word of God. They have life application sermons. So in one way, I feel bad about this statistic. And another, if these are churches that are holding to the Word of God and preaching directly from the Word, it's to be expected. Okay, that's just the way it is. But there you go. Little state of uh, Christianity in America. They're measuring it. Because the church structure is changing. That's right. And that's exactly right. The church structure is changing. And for example, online, we have, you know, many more people than attend in residence and they're from countries all over the world. But once again, those are very select people that want to understand the word of God. They are here. Uh, mostly they were drawn in by the prophecy update, but once they start listening to the sermons, they become real mature Christians very quickly because the word of God is how you mature. You're not going to mature any other way than knowing reading, and being preached, proper analysis of the Word of God. Um, from the Russian Times, hell has open borders. Arkansas church under fire for immigration sign. Okay, this made some of the major news, but I'm going to read it anyway and just get my comment on it. An Arkansas church is facing a fierce backlash for erecting a sign that some residents deem too politically charged. Heaven has strict immigration laws. Hell has open borders, which you've seen all over Facebook, right? Yeah, it is. It's true. Okay. The controversial sign was posted in the Apostolic Faith Church's marquee in Springdale, Arkansas. Residents reported almost crashing their cars after driving past the sign, like it upset them so bad. What a bunch of babies, which they say is offensive to the community that is 36.4 Hispanic. Well, if they're here legally, it doesn't make any difference what they are. They can be black, white, purple, or pink. It doesn't make any difference. If they're here illegally, then there should be something for them to worry about. A pastor for the church said his wife came up with the idea and said the sign wasn't intended to be political or racist. This is where I took offense at the article because you know that it originally was posted to be political. And now they're backtracking because when you say something like this, you know you're being political. And I was proud that they did it. And then when I read this, I thought that's too bad that they said that. Of course, we have a right to mix in politics, but somebody may attack their 501c3, their tax exemption and bad news there. The best way to avoid that is to not get into that. Don't be tax exempt. You can say whatever you want in the pulpit if you're not a tax-exempt church. I know one in Sarasota, Florida. If anybody wants to attend, it's at 6512 Superior Avenue, okay? They do not have tax exemption, and that's talking about this church, okay? 
you, you take care of those problems that way. You're able to say what you want and you have no limitations on that. Um, we'll go on. It says, um, it was simply a reminder to the congregation that securing a place in heaven isn't easy. I took exception with that as well. Securing a place in heaven is the easiest thing in the world to do once you've gotten pride out of the way. It's the most difficult thing in the world to do when self is in the way because self cannot save. But once you realize that Jesus Christ died for your sins, he went into the grave, he rose again, you are saved when you believe that. That's what it says in the Bible in the book of Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. And let me read it to you just so you know. This is the simplest gospel message on the planet and so I took exception with what she said, and, or he or she, whoever they're interviewing there, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's it. That's the gospel. You believe that Christ died for your sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. And you really believe that, you are saved. And then it says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit, which is a guarantee of your redemption. It's a guarantee, okay? So it's a very easy thing to get saved if you just simply trust Jesus Christ. Any other way, you're not going to be saved. If you put yourself in, in any way, shape, or form, with any work at all, then you are including yourself in the equation and that is not the gospel message. So there you go. The reason that we put the sign up was to tell everybody it is not easy to make it to heaven. Once again, wrong. If you read scriptures, it tells them that the road to hell is wide and broad. That is true. But the road to heaven is narrow and straight. And that is true. There's one path. Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That's very clear. But it's not difficult. You just simply have to believe. So you need to make sure you get your theology straight on that. Salvation is simple. It is a gift. A gift is something you cannot earn. Okay, from Christian Post. Oh, by the way, a gift is something that if it's taken back, it's not a very good gift. Okay, South African court rules Dutch reform churches gay marriage ban unconstitutional. The decision comes from the bench of the Gauten High Court in Pretoria, which reversed a decision to not recognize same-sex marriage in the church that was made by the denomination's General Synod in November 2016. The Synod's 2016 decision was challenged by the Reverend Laurie Gaum, his father, Fritz Gaum, and eight other members of the Dutch Reformed Church, all of whom advocate for LGBT issues and launched litigation in an attempt to have the Synod's decision ruled unconstitutional. These people will pay a very, very heavy price for what they've done. They claimed that the church's position violated Section 9 of the South African Constitution that deals with equality and discrimination. Once again, mixing these things together and coming up with a bad deal. All right. It assures that the ruling means that gay ministers can be licensed and ordained whether they are in relationships or not. Islam today. Al-Arabiya. Malaysia deports Egyptians, Tunisian for alleged terror ties. I lived there for three years. I loved it. Malaysian police have said that six Egyptians and a Tunisian man believed to be linked to an African-based terror group have been detained and deported. Well, if they can do it without anybody on this planet complaining, why can't we do it without the whole world complaining? I just don't understand it. They don't want terrorists in their country. Get them out. That's what you do. 
We've got people that are trying to come back from fighting with ISIS and their wives and their children to live in America when they're over there voluntarily having left this nation. Don't let them back in. Mail online. U.S.-born right-wing terrorists are a greater danger to Americans than Islamic threats, FBI data shows. Okay, now this is from a Washington Post article. They just took it and they put it on Mail Online. Notice how they say right-wing terrorists. Approximately 270 domestic terrorism suspects were arrested from 2017 to 2018, compared to roughly 210 international suspects, according to the FBI data. The majority of those arrested by the FBI are charged with offenses that have nothing to do with terrorism, including possessions of guns or narcotics. Of the roughly 110 people arrested on suspicion of Islamic-inspired terrorism in 2017, only about 30 actually were charged with terrorism, the FBI data shows. Does anybody know what the problem with that article is? Islam makes up 1% of our population, so those 30 or however many are actually charged in the end out of those 110. Some of them are probably still waiting to be charged. It's a huge percentage of their population in comparison to the 110 out of 300 million other people, okay? Reuters, Britain's ASDA or ASDA supermarkets to stop selling single kitchen knives. You can no longer buy kitchen knives. This is the Walmart of Britain, okay? Walmart-owned British supermarket chain Asta said it will remove single kitchen knives from sale in all stores by the end of April. Buy them now, kids. Britain's knife crime rate is soaring and following a wave of fatal stabbings in recent weeks, many involving teenagers, Prime Minister Theresa May has convened a meeting of ministers and community leaders to discuss ways of tackling the problem. We know single knives are the most common knife products to be stolen, and that is why we have chosen to remove these from our stores. It is illegal to sell knives to people under 18 in Britain. Mail online. Double standards. Right-wing poster boy Milo Yiannopoulos, I guess, I don't know how you pronounce it, is banned from Australia only days after Muslim Sheikh, who described September 11th as a comedy film, toured the nation. So he's saying that 9-11 was a comedy film and they let him in to do his vulgar teachings and this guy that just wants to speak out against what he believes is wrong, they won't let him in. The Britain was banned on character grounds by the Department of Home Affairs. It occurred as Egyptian Muslim Sheikh toured Adelaide, Melbourne, and Sydney. Dr. Omar Abdel Kafe has previously described September 11th as a comedy film. Okay, I put that in there Monday. I thought I'm going to include that in there. All right. Now, a couple days later, they have a shooting in New Zealand. And the news today says that this same person, Milo Yiannopoulos, has been banned because of his views against the shooting. So they're twisting the truth because this came out before the shooting, right? But now they're saying that we don't want him because of what happened down there and he's inciting these things. They had already banned him. They just don't want him to speak out in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Yeah, it's a strange world we live in. Unless you pay attention, you miss these details. Uh, Let's see here. Times of Israel. Iranian hackers accused of causing hundreds of millions in damages worldwide. Researchers for tech giant Microsoft said the attackers stole secrets and wiped data from computer networks after targeting thousands of people at some 200 companies over the past two years. Microsoft traced the attacks to Holmium, a group linked to Iran, and that some of the hacking was done for Holmium by another Iranian group known as APT33. 
The report said the hackers notably targeted oil and gas companies, heavy machinery manufacturers, and international conglomerates in Saudi Arabia. Oh, wait a minute. Germany, Britain, India, and the U.S. Well, Germany still wants to have this treaty with them, and they've had people in there that have killed other people. They've done it in France. They've done all of these things against Germany, France, and the other countries, and they still want to keep this agreement going. There's just no logical thought process going in these people's heads. The news comes from Iran seeking to step up its cyber capabilities amid increasing efforts by the U.S. to isolate the Islamic regime. Yahoo! Iran sees strong support from Europeans, Russia, and China. Iran's deputy foreign minister says Tehran has received strong support from all remaining parties to the landmark 2015 nuclear deal with his country since the U.S. pulled out unilaterally last year. Abbas Argchi, I guess, told reporters that Germany, once again, right there, France, Britain, Russia, and China, have acknowledged that the deal can only survive if Iran can receive the benefits of the deal and remain committed to making it work. Well, here they're hacking people, destroying infrastructure, doing all these things, and they're trying to make it work. Good job. Haaretz, big business, forgets Khashoggi and continues to pump billions into Saudi Arabia. The press did their best to have this not work out, but it didn't. Uh, nations all the time whack people. This is what nations do. They go in and they spy on other people and they whack people. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong in any way, shape, or form, but they highlighted this person's demise specifically to cause interruption and to get Iran back into favor with the nations. And it didn't work out. From Haaretz, feeling sanctions, pressure, Hezbollah seeks donations. Yeah. Go fund me, anybody? Right. I mean, think of that. Hamas is seeking donations. Mongolia, from Aki Press. You can tell that there was not a lot going on in Mongolia this week. Mongolia to export meat products to Laos. This was the most interesting article I could come up with. Delegation of Mongolia paid a working visit to Vietnam and Laos. The delegation held negotiations on exporting deep frozen mutton, goat, beef, and horse meat to Vietnam, according to the agreements of the 16th meeting of the Mongolia-Vietnam Intergovernmental Commission. During their visit to the Lao PDR, which is the Public Democrat Republic, Mongolian delegation signed a cooperation agreement with the Department of Health of Laos. Within the agreement, the parties reached agreement on the matter regarding veterinary quarantine on deep frozen meat and meat products to be exported by Mongolia to Laos, resulting in permitting Mongolia's export of animal products to Laos. So now you know what happened in Mongolia this week. Now, I will say this. I went, um, I used to have my Asian trade store down here and I would import things and I'd go overseas and buy stuff and send it back, etc. And I went with the, my business partner who owned the Thai restaurant right next to it there. And we went to Thailand and his wife is from Laos. So we went to visit her family. And I can tell you flying over Laos was the most memorable experience I had ever in Asia. It was like a green gem. It was so beautiful flying over that country. We went from uh, the capital Vientiane up to Luang Prabang, which was in the north. It's called the, the city of the kings, basically. And it was it was beautiful. What a beautiful country. But they got a lot of problems there. And they don't have a very good uh, airline system. That We flew on Air China, and the engines were out of tune. They're supposed to be tuned. And when you talked, you could hear somebody in the back row talking like it was in your ear, and then your voice would be over there somewhere. It was it was terrible. It was, uh, anyway, and then we got off the airport, and we 
uh, where's the bathroom? Well, just walk across the runway and over there and there's a little shack with chickens running all around it. That's your, was, it was a little primitive, but it's a beautiful country. Beautiful. Anyway, we'll go on. Daniel 12 technology from Radio New Zealand. Barking drones used on farms instead of sheepdogs. Hey, this is technology here. The latest drone developments come as more farmers have started using the technology for work on farm in recent years. The past two years have seen farmers embrace drone technology to help with those jobs that are dirty, dangerous, or just plain dull. Corey Lambeth, a shepherd on North Canterbury Sheep and Beef Farm, said his drone had made work such as moving stock and checking water and feed levels more efficient. Wintertime, it's ideal for flying it, sitting at home on a cold day. I don't want to go outside, so I fly my drone around and have a look and make sure all my stock are behind the wire. The latest drone model can record sounds and play them over a speaker, allowing dogs' barks or other noises to be loudly projected across the paddock. Mr. Lambert said his feature helped move stock along faster during mustering while stressing the animals less than a dog could. Cows could sometimes become protective of their calves and try to lunge at farm dogs when they got too close, he said. That's the one thing I've noticed is when you're moving cows and calves that the old cows stand up to the dogs. But with the drones, they've never done that. That's technology. From Mail Online, scientists develop method to weld metal to glass in breakthrough that could revolutionize the way cars are manufactured. Now that is impressive. New method relies on pulses of infrared light. They last only a few picoseconds. Does anybody know what a picosecond is? Go ahead. You do. A pico. A picosecond. Do you know how long it is? Yes, it's very, uh, he, he got the digits. Listen to this. The measure of time is to a second. One picosecond compared to a second is what a second is compared to 30 thousand years that's how quick that is they had to perfect this so that they can weld glass to metal one second compared to 30,000 years by foot what's that is it 10 to the minus 18 uh, it's got to be something like that I don't know I, I, I didn't put that down all I did was put that but it was it was a long calculation like that by focusing laser through material between two parts, they created a melt region. Scientists say the new technique is a major breakthrough for manufacturing. That is really impressive. I got to tell you, from Revelation Plagues today, CNN says North Korea food production lowest in more than a decade. UN says North Korea food production in 2018 fell to its lowest level for over a decade, leaving millions without enough food to eat. According to a UN estimation, their estimation is 11 million people inside the country. Nearly 44% are undernourished. Food production fell by more than 9% from 5.45 million metric tons in 2017 to 4.95 million metric tons last year, in part due to shortages of arable land, lack of access to modern agricultural equipment and fertilizers, and recurrent natural disasters, it said. Outlining the grim situation for millions of North Koreans, the U.N. called for $120 million worth of aid to be sent to the country. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and his predecessors have faced harsh international criticism for ignoring the needs of their people at the expense of other priorities, notably the nuclear weapons program. It's a self-inflicted wound, just as Venezuela is. Mail Online. 
Rise of measles cases across the world prompts UN warning of complacency amid fears the killer infection is spiraling out of control. The number of people who caught measles last year rose by 50% worldwide, UNICEF has revealed, with 98 countries reporting an increase. Some 136,000 people died of the infection, which is more contagious than Ebola. I had no idea, despite there being an extremely effective and cheap vaccine. So people are dying from this. And when the vaccines run out because it's the tribulation period, it's going to be million. It's just imagine. Don't be here when that time comes. Bad news from Reuters. Mumps, other outbreaks force U.S. detention centers to quarantine over 2000 migrants. That's costing us a bunch of money from morality today. I'm going to do something a little different. Monty Python, and now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> last week I talked about abortion, and I said that, uh, let me read you the verse here. It's Exodus 21, 22, and 23. And uh, Exodus 21. I couldn't remember off the top of my head what it was, but I read this every week before I went to uh, Planned Parenthood. And I got some great comments on it, and I got a couple negative comments on it. And so I thought I'd give my comments on it. <laughs> Exodus 21, verses 22 and 23 says, If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judge determined. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Okay. There are two views on that, and translations vary depending on how you look at the issue of abortion. But the Hebrew could not be clear. Okay, some people say that it's speaking of the woman that's in jeopardy and she gets hurt. We're going to read this. This is from my sermon on Exodus 21. It has become increasingly, I amended it for the prophecy update a little bit, but I kept to the sermon as much as possible. It has become increasingly common for states and courts to rule that an unborn child has no rights at all because the law doesn't consider them as people. Their law may not, but God's law does explicitly. A first note is that the woman is said to be with child. The word is hara, and it means exactly that. She has conceived. The attention is given to the fact that she has a baby in her womb, not to her. She's already protected by the laws of Israel, so this would be superfluous. The focus is on the unborn. Secondly, it notes that the woman is hurt and gives birth prematurely. Again, the focus is not on the woman, but on the child. What will happen to the child? The term, yet no harm follows, is speaking of the child in the womb, not the mother who bears the child. This is obvious on the surface because if it was concerning the wife, it would be superfluous to mention the fact that she was pregnant. The word for prematurely is yaladeha. The word yaled means child here, whether born or unborn. No distinction is made between the two. But the word is plural, yaladeha, or children, and thus it is an indication of indefiniteness. Could there be more than one child is what is being implied? If so, then the death of one or any in number carries the same offense. Thus, it cannot be speaking of the woman, but of the unborn. To add to the emphasis here, three words have to be noted. The word harm is ason. There is then the word punished, which is anash. And finally, there is the word for judges, which is palil. This is a rare and poetic term. But this word doesn't make sense, judges, because the fine was imposed by the husband. Unless we are being told that judges must arbitrate the claim, 
However, the Greek Old Testament doesn't mention judges. It just says that he shall give by means of what is fit. Therefore, it is more probable that instead of the Hebrew word for judges, the word for untimely birth, which is very similar, is what is being referred to. Now remember, the Masoretic text where we get our vowel points is much, much later. It's not a part of the original Hebrew. And if you go to Israel today, they don't use vowel points after like the first grade. They know what the language says and all the billboards and everything don't have them. Okay, so the word could be either way. They put the vowel points. Why? As Jewish rabbinical sentiment, unfortunately and incorrectly, has been that this harm is only referring to the woman and not the unborn, it makes all the sense in the world that they would feel the word judges more satisfactorily fit the situation than the word for untimely birth. Regardless of this final word, the context and intent is clear. The child in the womb is considered a human being and the focus is on the harm it receives. The focus has been on the child. Was it born alive and in good shape or did the child die? The entire section of the chapter has been based on the words of verse 12. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. From that point on, what constitutes a capital offense has been outlined. In the same way, the same words are found in Leviticus 24, verse 17, which are given based on the stoning of a blasphemer who was the son of a Jewish mother and an Egyptian father. Thus, the tenets are given for Jews and Gentiles, men and women, and those out of the womb and those in the womb. The Lord's protections and his judgments follow through to all, including what today we so arbitrarily call a fetus. When the unborn is harmed and it dies, the offender's life is forfeit. A life is demanded for the loss of life. Our other category, Zero Hedge, Dems tit for tat, gun violence, national emergency. We all know that, that I said this would happen is that um, Trump says we have a national emergency and the Democrats say if you do that, the next president might come along and say we have a national emergency on guns or this or that. They're going to do it anyway. Now that this law is in place, they're going to find any reason to have a national emergency. Guess what? This isn't the whole article. I'm just going to read you a very small portion of it. Does anybody know what I'm going to say? They can't do it on guns. They can't do it on guns. In 2006, the 109th Congress passed the Disaster Recovery Personal Protection Act, which prohibits, listen to this, the confiscation either permanently or temporarily of privately owned firearms during the times of national emergency. If Trump gets this through, we have a national emergency, they can't take guns from you during that period. Okay? It also prohibits the establishment of a gun registry and the imposition of restrictions on the carrying of firearms. This law does not, of course, override any existing federal, state, or local firearms regulations already on the books, but it explicitly prevents a national emergency declaration being used to justify the creation of new restrictions. So a, a Democrat president can't come in and declare a national emergency based on guns and then impose new restrictions because it's explicitly prohibited. They preempted one time in the history of the Republican Party, they, pre, they preempted the Democrats and they got this one right. Good job. Oh, I'm so happy to read that. I came out of my chair. I was going, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Mail online. Anybody know what's happening on April 6th, coming soon to a month near you? GPS systems will be struck by Y2K-like bug on April 6. Security expert says he will not fly on day zero after governments warn global devices will reset 
due to a calendar glitch. I'm just telling you this so that if you travel or something, maybe beware of it. The error could cause disruption to planes, navigation systems, and electrical grids. Time counters are predicted to roll back to zero in older GPS devices, say experts. Experts raise the alert at RSA 2019 San Francisco security meeting. Nav systems on ships and older aircraft may be affected. Mail online. Looters take to Venezuela streets as blackout enters its fifth day, killing 15 kidney patients as under pressure President Maduro claims the power cut was caused by an imperialist electromagnetic attack from the U.S. Okay, it finally lasted a week and then it ended, but 15 people died in the hospital, kidney patients, because they didn't have power. Next article, PJ Media. Internet collapses in Venezuela with 80% offline. Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud blocked from Al Arabiya. This is all last week. U.S. says to withdraw all remaining diplomatic personnel from Venezuela. From Reuters, desperate Venezuelans swarm sewer drains in search of water. From LMT Online, and they got photos of them doing it. LMT Online, how bad is Venezuela's economy? Even the criminals are struggling to get by. Next article from Mail Online. Here's why I did that. Half of young Americans would rather live in a socialist country, survey finds. I got just the place for you to go move to. Just the place for you to go move to. We're a generation of adults, I'm telling you. Zero hedge. Intelligence contractors make second attempt in one week to provoke tensions with North Korea. Did everybody see in the news that um, North Korea is getting ready to fire a missile? They've set up a missile stand. Everybody read that. Guess what? It was false. It was a defense contractor from photos months and months before. The same cars are still sitting out there, not being used. It was a complete lie because they want us to engage Korea. They want this. They do not want us having peace with these people. It was a complete lie. From the AP, decline in readers, ads leads hundreds of newspapers to fold. Well, I can think of one I would love to see go is the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Used to be a great paper when I was young. And now it is, yeah, it's a New York Times subsidiary, and it's just, it's a liberal, it's terrible. I haven't looked at that paper in years. Dad brings it to the house every day after he reads it, and I just put it on the stove. I don't know, Fidico, do you read it, or do you just use it for cooking fish and stuff? I mean, what do you, yeah, fish. She, sh she shook her head, fish. Yeah. Or does, was that a shake for reading? Oh, she's reading a liberal rag. Don't let that affect your mind there, baby. Um, let's see here. From Politico, de Blasio announces meatless Mondays in New York City public schools because of climate change. No more meat because of climate change. From the Tsar Izim, Putin thanks women for taking care of the home and staying beautiful on International Women's Day. Try that in America and you'll get sued or something, but I thought that was great and it reminded me of the song by Gilbert O'Sullivan. Remember him? He did some great music back in the 70s. Well, he did one called A Woman's Place. Guess where that is? It's exactly where Putin said it is. I'll read it again. Uh, she, he thanks women for taking care of the home and staying beautiful on International Women's Day. He's got some panache, despite being a complete enemy of, of you know, things. He's got some panache. Zero Hedge says... Self-proclaimed nerd wins $10,000 after discovering hidden contest in an insurance contract. Imagine this. You know the fine print? Nobody ever reads? This lady reads all of the fine print always. She says, I'm a nerd. 
Her name is Donalyn Andrews of Thomaston, Georgia. She won $10,000 after discovering a hidden contest in the often ignored fine print of a travel insurance contract. Imagine the boredom of reading that. Bought from Tin Leg, a subsidiary of Florida-based Squaremouth. The day after Andrews discovered the contest on February 12th and mailed Squaremouth, a company representative contacted her and said she'd won $10,000. In addition to that, Squaremouth donated an additional $5,000 to each of the Georgia schools she works for and $10,000 to children's literacy charity Reading is Fundamental. That is a great company. I would deal with those folks. Put it in the fine print. This is a contest. Nobody ever reads it. If you do, let us know. And she won 10000 My hair's standing up over that. Pay attention in life. I got a uh, lesser here for you. It is nice to have drones that won't sleep when it comes to hurting the sheep. They are terribly bold, yes, in spite of the cold, so shepherd's dog won't make a peep. Good job there, Les. Okay, I got two ironies for you, and we'll be done. This is called Didn't See That Coming. Mail Online. Now, the irony is where they found it. Okay, so when you think of that, Elixir of Immortality is discovered in China for the first time. Bronze pot found in a 2,000-year-old burial tomb contains legendary brew used by the rich to try to cheat death. I guess it didn't work. And Zero Hedge says, this is, didn't see that coming. Zero Hedge says, minimum wage law. Rising rents may force San Francisco's last fortune cookie factory to close. They didn't see that coming. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week. <laughs>